Hello everyone, welcome to episode 1002 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves 10 is the biggest show yet, taking place September 22nd through the 25th at Metro, Smart Bar, Riviera Theatre, and Le Nocturne. Cold Waves is a celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, the memory of a fallen brother, and a fundraiser for Darkest Before Dawn, a nonprofit providing resources and support for workers in the nightlife industry. For more information, including the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week, we are chatting with the Friday Metro opener. This is Rare DM. Thank you. 
I went to college for fashion design and then I dropped out to play drums in a band. And then I got my first laptop that was like actually mine that had like logic on it. So then I started using logic and got a lot better at that and started actually recording some of my own songs after I had a temporary apartment for like three months that this lady, I was staying at her house, she had a micro cord. So all of a sudden, all these piano songs that I'd kind of written, I played on them on a synthesizer and kind of discovered arpeggiators for the first time and then kind of understood that all the music that I liked either had like octave bass lines or it was like electronic, like the Lady Tron and uh, like Lady Tron and Miss Kitten. And I was like, oh, that's the type of music I actually want to make. And then I got a SP404 and a micro Korg. And I found a Casio CZ5000 on the street in uh, Manhattan. And that was kind of like my beginning of uh, how I started playing my music. But that was like, I had a different band name for my first single. And then I changed it to Rare DM, which seemed more appropriate. Are you sure that it was put out on the street to be given away? No, it was actually really funny. I was working at this um, vintage store called Ritual Vintage. And I was like, it was a slow day. And I think I like could see from the outside that people were clearing out a church and putting like trash on a street. So they were like bringing out like garbage and putting it against this tree. And then they put two synthesizers up against the tree. And I watched for a second. I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, ran over there and then ran back. And I was like, holy shit. Cause like, you know, and it took me like a couple months to realize that I could find a power supply for that thing. And I was like, is this going to work or not? And it did, but it's missing a lot of screws, but I love how dusty it sounds. It's definitely like on all of my, I think it's on every single song on my first album. I want to talk a little bit about the, the lyrical theme of your music. When I started, if I told anyone I was online dating, they would be like, that's really weird. And, and there weren't a lot of choices. I think I was on eHarmony, which, which was terrible. And I think Match.com was in its infancy. You know, things like Tinder didn't even exist yet. It was, it was really all about like dating and getting to know someone and filling out like personality things. And now it's just like, uh, is there anyone in a three block radius that wants to have sex right now? I don't think I'd be able to handle it now. Do you have any, you know, fun or crazy or weird stories other than, you know, what's sort of, you know, in the music that's a little more open to interpretation? I think when eHarmony was kind of the only thing, um, people were a little bit like, ew, you're on online dating. What's wrong with you? Why can't you meet someone in real life? Like there was a stigma behind like the only reason somebody would be online dating is if they're somehow a serial killer, incompetent, or like overly Christian or something, right? Also, I, I was suburban. So I would match with someone and I would be in a suburb of New York City and I would be meet, matching with people on Long Island. And it'd be like, that's that's like a two hour trip for someone. For this, the suburban or the rural people, I, I feel really bad for those people. My biggest claim to fame is the fact that I had a missed connection written about me before Tinder became the thing. Was, was it in like Craigslist or? Yeah, Craigslist misconnection. Before they took that down, I literally got one that was blonde with some blue. 
And I was like, no way. Cause I was in the train and then this guy with a skateboard kind of walked in and then he was kind of smiling at me from like a different corner of the train. And then one of us had to get off the train. And for some reason I was like, that was kind of special. And I was like, I read misconnections sometimes. What the heck? I'm going to look at it. And then there was one for me. I wonder what the hit percentage of that, of the people who think they caught a glimpse of someone and they had something. And then it's just, no, people just make eye contact. We went on a date. He was actually just as cute as I remember. The problem was, is that I found out he was like really kind of scary. Like, you know, when you meet somebody that like listens to metal music for a reason, like he was, he looked like really like pretty straight edge, but maybe like overly straight edge. So he was like, I don't do any drugs or listen to anything, but I'm actually really violent. And then I missed a phone call from him. And then he called me like 16 times in a row. And I was like, whoops. All right, got another one bites the dust. Um, but yeah, so that was that was before Tinder. But Tinder is one of those things that, you know, I've had relationships and then gone on Tinder, you know, a year or two later before, and it changes every time. And all I gotta say is that when Tinder first came around and it was socially acceptable, there was this magic window that people actually treated the dates like dates rather than hookups, and you could go and conveniently come up with a way to go and have a have a drink with somebody and then see how it went but not feel like you have to like disclaim that you don't want to fuck them you know what i mean cuz like now people will just cut to the chase like hey i'm on here for hookups only and then you're like wow this is disappointing you know so i think the reason why a lot of my music deals with things like dms and um stuff like that would be because of um being really dissatisfied with the ways that you can get rejected nowadays. Like you don't, you used to just be like, Hey, uh, you know, you're on the phone with somebody. Like, I, I just want to call and see if you wanted to go out again. I had a really great time hanging out with you the other night. The person will probably just be like, Oh, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'm not free. And then they just kind of like slow roll, don't get back to you. And that's how, you know, you know, like, I'm not even talking about dates. I'm talking about like when you were friends with somebody when you were really little, all you could do was try to call their home phone and leave a voicemail, you know? Now you can get rejected by text message, DM, email. I used to think rejection was like the, the, the biggest punch gut that you could get. And then I learned that being ghosted is like being punched in the stomach over... It, like an undeterminate amount of time until your brain is able to move on to something else. Oh my God. It's literally just like, wait, do you think that maybe they tried to get a hold of me in a different way? Like maybe this text message didn't go through through. So you send like one more and then you look at it and you've got like, oh shit, I've sent them two text messages. So do you send a third one to like apologize for the fact that you texted them twice? Oh, if you do that, you're really in trouble because then you're going to look at three text messages for the next indefinite amount of time. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. It was in love at first sight.
Let's talk about your videos. You, you talked about um, said nudes, and you also have a video for Rolex. Um, but those are both really super fun videos. I, I enjoyed watching them, and I noticed they they they've done really well. I saw they were both over like one hundred fifty thousand views on YouTube. Well, you know, first of all, I think um, as like a solo musician, and like I don't have a label, 
you kind of just try to do every tactic you can to try to get the most impact out of one release, you know? So basically I really try to get the best premiere I can. I try to send the video to as many people as I can. I try to do as many outlets for things at the same time. And uh, I've been fortunate also to do okay on platforms like TikTok. Like that was kind of an accident, but basically send nudes. I wasn't really on TikTok. I like, you know, kind of knew of it and I maybe posted a little tiny bit, but my mom received a TikTok video of me on a bicycle of the send nudes, like some random stranger on the street, like some sort of watching New York type of account had taken a video of me. And it was like already over like 500,000 views. And I was like, what the fuck? If some dude can take a video of me doing the thing that I'm trying to do and is getting this much clout off of me, I can do that for myself. Fuck this guy. You know, he ended up being a real asshole, too. I'd like, you know, had a little bit of conversation with him here or there trying to be like, oh, hey, if you're going to submit it to these huge pages, can you tell them to tag me? And he didn't. He got it on a few things. And I got that guy. Ugh, God. OK, whatever it is. Um that kind of lit a fire under my ass. And I was like, I can hack this platform. If this dude can do it and it's just a video of me, I'm the star in that video. <laughs> I'm going to get it for myself. So I kind of was an earlier adapter of that platform and like kind of just posted synth jams and stuff. And that ended up getting me a fair amount of people. How a cat is attacking my leg. Evie, get off. Um, but uh, basically... Yeah, so so I, I did a pretty good job trying to promote both singles on um, on TikTok and Instagram and things like that. And I also kind of have realized how disappointing doing something like paying PR can be. So like, although it's hit a few times that I've been like really pleased with what's happened, I kind of tried to DIY a little bit more and also find somebody to help me a little bit by trying to have my video actually appear in front of people's eyes. Uh, Vanta Black which came out uh, 2019. And that, that was, you know, mostly it looked like bundling all the previous singles together along with, you know, an EP's worth of, of more new tracks. Um, so are you, are you working on more new singles? And then are, are you planning to do the same thing you did last time where just build up a song by song and then put something out bigger? Or, you know, are you, do you have a different strategy now? Well. So the most important thing compared to with my debut album compared to the two singles that I just released is that I feel like I am finally starting to make the music that I want to make, you know, because although like I can get behind Vanta Black on how emotional and honest it is, I didn't have like the prowess with my gear that I have now. And like my other influences that I, I should have mentioned earlier, but like end of high school and college and stuff that's where I kind of got into more like front for two two four two and like meets or ebb and more industrial stuff and my favorite band is like Schweffelgelb. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right but that's like literally my favorite band I list they've been my top artists on Spotify like the last three years but um a I have been kind of struggling with the idea of self-releasing an EP or an album again versus doing singles because obviously I've gotten a lot more um out of the last two singles both on the fact that people like the songs more and because i'm more proud of them and because the videos are cool so i kind of want to be able to be like proud of 
future releases the way I am of those two singles, as opposed to the emotional vomit of the first album that was really sad. Like there's a few things that are nice, but that song, that album is like heavily improvisational. Like those are like stream of consciousness lyrics that I never changed on a few of the songs. Um, so I want to, if I could, I would love to get label support um, for an EP or an album coming up. But otherwise I've talked to like one label that I really love and, you know, they told me to send them more stuff and keep them in the loop. But the impression I got was kind of, we like what you're doing. We want you to do a little bit more of it before we pick you up, you know, as far as them being like, you know, you're uh, kind of doing the right thing. Just, um, you know, we, I just need to get my, uh, like the, the appearances up, unfortunately, you know, like I need to have like more Spotify followers and listeners and, um, you know, I don't know. I wish I could say that that wasn't something that I had to deal with. I don't know. Sorry. That's depressing to talk about. I mean, coming up, you're, you're playing a uh, verboten. Verboten. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then you're going to do cold waves in September. Um, I'm so excited. What uh, do you have more live shows lined up? Cause I'm sure it's been forever since you've been able to really get out and perform consistently. You can say this at this point because it needs to be announced by then, but I'm renting a yacht. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to do, um, it's partly to light a fire under my own ass, but I'm going to do a show with Synthicide on 610. So June 10th, it's a Friday. I, I found a, a place that does cruises in New York. You should go. I, those are <laughs> those are always so funny because you're just stuck in the middle of the you know the East River or wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just thought it, I was just kind of always a little bit of a dream, and I love working with Andy, aka Synthesize, and um, we haven't like finalized the DJ lineup type of stuff, but I'm gonna use it as a a single release, maybe even an EP release if I deem it appropriate, you know. And um, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm trying to get some sponsors and stuff currently so that instead of taking on a huge financial risk, because I'm essentially like making a little gamble here and I hope it pays off because I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying not to lose money on that. And then worst case scenario, I do lose money and then have a great time on a boat. That was all I had written down for you. Did I miss anything that you wanted to mention or promote or talk about? I mean, I was just going to say like Verboten and Cold Waves are all like bands that I love. Like that is like my favorite, like instrumental world, you know, like not instrumental, sorry, musical world, all the like EDM classics and like, you know, post-punk stuff is so sick. So um, I feel like maybe I did a inadequate job of expressing me actually being a musician rather than just like a funny, stupid person or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the music speaks for you. You don't need to explain that. People will hear it. Don't need an Audi to hang out with me in my fake Versace. Don't need a Rolex to get into my contacts. DMs, Rolodex. I try not to be materialistic. Stick though, and it does.
On this episode, you heard Naomi, which is newly available today, Send Nudes, and Rolex. Rare DM can be found at rare-dm.bandcamp.com. Rare DM will be supporting Molshad Doma May 12th and 13th at Music Hall of Williamsburg. Our opening music is Euthanasia by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Ghost Feeder. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Weeds, Jamie Duffy. Here is Dana Parker sharing one of her stories. There was a night after a show, the whole band got invited over to a coffee place called Caffeine. And Timothy, he owned the place, him and um, Scott Moran. And the, all the guys, were sitting around and here's Jamie like cross-legged on the floor with his new rocks in a big bowl of I think it was Frankenberry cereal just smiling away chowing down I mean it, it was it was quite the um I'm the tough guy in the industrial band moment <laughs>